Thank you for downloading the Green Majority bonus show. This week, we uh, continue our conversation from the main show a little bit, but we talk a little bit just mostly about the idea of alternative options for investment. So um, in the in a climate-changed world uh, with increasing storms and whatnot, what types of planning decisions do we need to make beyond simply responding to those disasters is basically our topic. Um, if you uh, enjoy the program, particularly the bonus show and the additional content, but also just the show in general, you can support us financially if you're willing and able. Uh, you can do that at Patreon, P-A-T-R. R-E-O-N dot com. Uh, we appreciate uh, that very much. Uh, recommended donation, as I say, is $5, but you can uh, donate whatever you're able. Uh, it would be great. Uh, with that, please enjoy this week's bonus show. Welcome to this week's uh, bonus show. I'm here with uh, Stefan and maybe Mekin. We'll see if she decides to jump in on something. Um, and what we're talking about a little bit is sort of following from the program, uh, the the main program this last week. Uh, there was a few items we didn't really get into. And one of the aspects, I, I, I didn't really so, wanna, so much make it a, a news item, um, but just referencing the fact that one of the many, many things that has happened um, – as a consequence of all the flooding, uh, was that there was a chemical plant that flooded and eventually exploded. Um, so we're not going to dig too much into the details of sort of precisely what happened with that, rather than to use that as an example to talk about sort of yet again one of the yet another um, reasons to uh, promote uh, renewable energy. Not I mean, the chemical plant wasn't necessarily a fossil fuel plant. In fact, so, so it I, wasn't. I can tell you what actually it Please made. Do. It made organic peroxides uh, for the use of items such as countertops and pipes. Um, and so, yeah. So it was. It was not related specifically, uh, but the I think the the larger conversation still stands, despite the fact that this particular well, thing think, was not so dangerous. I think the takeaway now should be. Uh, uh, that you know, organic is obviously bad. Um, <laughs> organic peroxides, uh, right? That's a ter- technical term. I'm Peroxide sure. is like what you bleach your hair with, so I'm pretty sure that's toxic chemicals, <laughs> even if it has the word organic in it. But uh, anyway, now, all of that is beside the point, which is that um, you know, when we're talking about building uh, Keystone XL or any of these other pipelines or any Energy East, like in addition to that, I mean, one one of the things is like, well, if you don't want pipelines, what is it going to be? You want bomb trains instead? Uh, no, we don't want any of it. We don't want it at all. <laughs> um, but one of the other caveats now is as we move into the phase where we're moving out of the phase about you know trying to warn people about future catastrophes and we're moving into the period of that catastrophe that just happened and the next one that will happen um i feel like we're really i feel like this event for me is really the turning point in sort of where we are in our in the effect of climate change and and that's not to say in any way that obviously there haven't been previous effects um but as far as so i don't mean as far as like well this is the big one or anything like that but I feel like this, like we have, we, you know, there's two or three in a row and then there's other things going on in the world. Like, I just feel like a combination of these uh, weather events happening, plus the combination of the fact that um, major outlets are now covering them tentatively as climate change influence events, even if they're very being very, very tepid about it, um, that we're at that point where we're now just say, you know, where we're really unavoidable. It's really inexcusable to not sort of understand that climate change is now. Not It was already now, but now I feel like it's there's a fine point has been put on it. Uh, and so as we're talking about that and we go back and talk about um, sort of future planning decisions, one of the other things to consider, as you were saying there, Stefan, is that um, you know, there's not really any downside to like flooding out a solar panel. Uh, but if, you know, Keystone XL has a monsoon and snaps the pipe in half, um, you know, not only is there that oil spill, 
Uh, but on top of that, I mean, you know, right now we talk about there's all these things, the Kalamazoo, uh, Kalamazoo River and all these other events and on all these, you know, really terrible disasters that have happened, uh, never mind Deepwater Horizon. Uh, Deepwater Horizon is actually a really good example of, you know, there's a, there's a pipeline breaking and then there's a pipeline breaking because of an extreme weather event. So you can't do anything about it for weeks. And that extreme weather event, if it's perhaps a flood, uh, now ma- makes infinitely worse any amount of oil or, or toxic materials that are being dumped because you can't clean it up because of a thing that's helping carry it everywhere very, very quickly. And uh, it's just sort of an, another example of why you know build, making these types of investments or, or making allowances for them or giving them tax rebates or, or subsidizing these industries are awful. And it's not just awful because we find it you know morally uh, distasteful. Um, they're just quantifiably and, and demonstrably awful because they make problems that we already have just infinitely more worse, uh, infinitely worse. And um, I don't know how to I don't know how to put a fine point on it more than that. And I th- yeah, I think the it's for me what's interesting is to think about when we talk about some of the advantages that renewable energy infrastructure provides, it is the it is the ability to to not be so 100% reliant on this this sort of uh this sort of frail infrastructure. Uh, and you know, frail is a is a is a is a frail compared to a monsoon or a tornado. Oh, exactly, and, and also frail compared to not needing the infrastructure at all. Right? right, there's a level of which not needing infrastructure is going to be better than needing infrastructure, almost no matter what. And and so this, and so the concept of you know, so, so one of the big advantages of uh, of say solar solar energy specifically is that it can exist in a in a way in which. You know, but it's also to say that a solar panel would 100% survive a hurricane. You know, depending on if a tree falls on a solar panel, it still will stop working. That is a thing. It, I'm not arguing. We that. won't have a catastrophic, a catastrophic sunshine spill, however. Right. Exactly. Um, or we might, and it will be fabulous. <laughs> um, but but what's interesting is that is that the ability to have these sort of solar, like say, solar panels more displaced means that if you do have some power lines go down, like say, uh, you know, as we discussed, one of the things that's happening in um in uh in in india uh and in bangladesh during the with the monsoon they're currently going through is that they had to shut down power to a lot of the air a lot of areas uh because people are being electrocuted by by downed power lines that's something you can avoid with a display with, with an energy system that ha- that is that is more that is not so uh so so hard path uh, to use a very technical term about how it sounds like if only know, someone had made a, a YouTube series explaining how that works exactly then. yeah uh, you can check on the grievance.ca <laughs> uh, self plug but yeah but so so that, but that's the you know that's the thing about, about this sort of what's interesting about sort of the solar panel energy and this expansion of, of, of sort of microgrids specifically is this ability that you know a well-designed system you'd be able to actually ensure that energy would you know you keep you, it's both mitigation and ad- adaptation right you know it's it's that um you know you are not you're not worried that uh that like deeper horizon if a hurricane if, if a big storm hits a hits a, a sun a, a, a where solar panels are manufactured there isn't a possibility that thousands and thousands of 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 Tons of oil will end up in an wo- ocean somewhere. Now, I will say that there are some chemicals used in solar panels that is not ideal. A whole bunch uh, of toxic metals, still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but that is but that is a mi- like the the scale at which is just totally different, right? It's like one of those things where it's, it's like the scale is so much smaller that it's like while it is still important to talk about is not I think uh, should not dominate the conversation. Well, and most importantly, it's not a counter argument. Yes. Right. 
you know, yeah. th- I think that's the most important part of it is that, yes, there are toxic materials in solar panels, but it's not even in the same galaxy of what we're talking about as far as the danger of fossil fuel, fuel, fossil fuel infrastructure. Yeah. And, 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 and this exists. And the fact that some of these sort of new ways of moving forward, like you know, like solar panels, like that, are both mitigation adaptation is not unique to just solar, not, not, not unique to just renewable energy. If you look at things like green roofs and, and, and other things like that, uh, green roofs actually act as a, a very effective storm water system. You know, there are parts of Berlin that don't even have storm water drains because they're so well built to absorb water into their system. Uh, and part of the reasons why we see so much flooding right, it, it, in these places is that we've cemented over everything, so there's no place for that water to go. And so there's and so there's things that are sort of there are a whole bunch of solutions, I guess, that are ways to design cities that are both a way to currently absorb more carbon or release less carbon um, with things like green roofs and, and more green space and, 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 and solar panels and stuff like that. Um, but there's also – all of those things also are – make the city more resilient if something happens. Mm. And so there's like – if we get – so like the, it, it works on both levels. You get, you get double bang for your buck and it's sort of it's like one of those things like why aren't we doing this already? Well, and conveniently, uh, Stefan, and you are actually learning this at the same time our audience is, I believe, because I don't think I told you, but we actually have a solar expert coming on the show next week. So Ooh, we'll, be, uh, we'll, we'll be able to ask uh, him, I, be, uh, uh, I believe his last name is Alan. It's Leonard, uh, Leonard Allen uh, from Solera, I believe. I don't have my notes in front of me. I think that's correct. Um, but he's going to be joining us uh, next week. And that, that's one of the things that, that I intend to talk to him about is, uh, you know, he's uh, really an expert on sort of global trends and he's been traveling around the world um, advocating for learning about and you know sort of everything solar and so he's going to talk to us very much from a macro scale and i think that very much should be a part of the conversation is uh, is to remind me if i forget next week stefan um to ask him about sort of the 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 extreme weather resiliency of solar infrastructure because i he will be significantly better informed about that than than either than either of us are um and so yeah i think we should make sure that we that we bring that up as well um you know one of the other I think the last thing um, that we should sort of uh, just mention is that, you know, while having this information is very, very useful, um, I received a, a, an email from one of our local sort of climate organizers who occasionally asks us to, uh, as the green majority, sort of sign on to various letters and this and the, this sort of thing. And I'm always very careful with that sort of thing. I, I make sure that I, you know, read everything, not just because it's from an environment group. I don't necessarily smack our name on this stuff. Um, but I've been very impressed. There's been nothing I ever haven't signed because a lot of the groups here in Toronto are quite organized and are doing really excellent work. And one of them was to sign a letter saying that, uh, there needs to be a new climate expert panel brought before city council here in Toronto um, because the last time they had an expert panel was like right before they right before an election. And so the current sitting council has not been sort of as a council, individual members, uh, but as a council, as a decision body, been brought up to speed with the most current information uh, with regards to climate change generally from a scientific point of view. But, all, but more specifically, and this is what I was very interested to that they were they were really focusing on was from a planning point of view and that they were talking about, you know, we need this information not because Toronto as a city council has the ability to make major long-term decisions about our energy future, uh, but they do have a lot of very important decisions to make about the local resiliency of our local infrastructure. You know, Toronto is less likely to be flooded, but we're at a uh, quite high risk of tornadoes. Uh, relatively speaking, it's much more likely that we'll be hit by, you know, several, you know, extreme tornadoes than several extreme floods, but, you know, it's 
arguably, I don't, I don't know that I could say which is worse. And, when they're, and there are parts of the trial that yeah. will get flooded. Consistent, Absolutely. You know? like, yeah. and, and, you know, like the Dawn Valley, you know, like one of our main arterial roads is flooded relatively consistently. Right. You know, and we're not going to see the flood because of where we are. It's unlikely we'll get the sort of, yeah, like we're not, we're not, we're not on the coastline. Hurricanes aren't really going to hit us and we're not going to have probably monsoon-like rain. But there, even in regular amounts of rain or even slightly above amounts of rain, we do see some flooding. Well, and guess, and not where, it's not where all of the most expensive housing is in Toronto, but a good portion of the sort of middle upper to upper class condos in the city are, guess what, right at the waterfront. Uh, so, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, well, I bet we're going to hear some hooting and hollering the second um, those areas get flooded. Um, and these are, you know, these are decisions that need to be made now <laughs> uh, because they're decisions for the near future. And we're, once we build infrastructure, we're generally stuck with it for quite a while. So I'm, I'm increasingly interested in talking about infrastructure decisions beyond simply advocating against pipelines and for renewable energy and for renewable energy jobs, um, because these really are, you know, these are our commitments, our financial commitments writ large, and it's not only a big amount of money that we're investing, uh, so we want to make sure we invest it wisely, but it's also, it's really hard to change your mind. And so, like, we have to be really be sure um, that the, the decisions that we're making are going to last and going to last in the new things that are going to happen in the future. And uh, uh, making sure that decision makers are informed as to what those challenges are um, is not something that should be assumed. Like we shouldn't assume they have that information. And so I commend the uh, the, the local group that's working on that, uh, TCAN, Toronto Climate Action Network, and other groups uh, for really uh, sticking you know, really hounding council's heels uh, in a way on on these sorts of issues because yeah, I think it's a mistake to assume that people know this information, especially uh, city councilors who are the people making these decisions, whether it be you know at a, at a city level, provincial or federal. Um, so do that, and if you're not doing that, join a local. Uh, local uh, decision makers about very specific things that affect them and their constituency, uh, I think is a very high traction area as far as citizens being able to exert um you know, uh, pressure on, on decision-making. Um, yeah, I think that's my closing comment, Stefan, anything to add? No, I think I, I, it's, you know, the solutions exist, uh, there's some solutions out there already. And, you know, as, as we come on the, on the show itself, there's a lot of ways to make, to make your city both more resilient and also, you know, to help, help with mitigation. And I think these solutions that sort of do both, uh, need to be at least in some ways prioritized because they're going to keep happening. Um, and, and especially if you're, especially if you're a place like Houston, which you know, is you're going to hit by again. Like, it's not like Houston now is like, okay, we got the one half five year storm. As we said previously, it's going to happen again. And so it might happen again this year. It, hopefully not. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's unlikely that it happen again, but it's, it, these types of things will keep happening. Mm. Uh, and so the more ways we can sort of try to do both at the same time, the faster transition will be, which is what we desperately, desperately need. There you go. Thanks for listening. And uh, thank you, Stefan, for making time for a bonus show this week. We will hopefully continue to get back on track with that. Uh, but, you know, as we know, we're, we're doing our best over here. Uh, we'll bring you as much bonus content as we possibly can. Thank mm -hmm. you for listening and uh, take care. Have a good green week.